0: Jesus, our Lord, the mighty God summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. our God comes and he will not be silent. The heavens declare his righteousness. Offer up to God your praise and thanksgiving this day. Let us pray. Eternal God, our father, who is from everlasting, you are the eternal one. We are the ones who are mortal and finite. You have made us and we have not made ourselves. You have set us but a handbreadth from you, so that we, your children, may learn the ways of freedom and choose you with all our hearts. Grant us now, your Holy Spirit, that confident in prayer, we may worship you with gladness and become as little children before you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our first hymn is number 41, The Praises of Thy Wonders, Lord. Jesus says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. Let us then turn away from sin and turn to God, confessing our sin in penitence and faith. Let us pray together. Most holy God, who searches the hearts of all people and separates the wheat from the chaff, we confess that we have rebelled against you and committed such sin that we have loved ourselves more than our neighbors and have dishonored and rebelled against you and your holy laws. We bring nothing to you but await your salvation, who is Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, but now shall come with lightning and fire to separate the wicked from the righteous. In your power come among us, and with great might strengthen us, so that though by our sins and wickedness we are grievously hindered in running the race that is set before us, your bountiful grace and mercy may speedily help and deliver us through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Please stand for the assurance of pardon. The Almighty God, by whose salvation our Savior Jesus Christ came among us in great humility, justifies us with his redeeming grace, and sets us free from all sin. I declare to you as a minister of the gospel that all those who have faith in Jesus Christ and repent of their sin are truly forgiven of all their sin. This is the good news, and we say together, praise be to God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the Lord calls for justice and righteousness in the land. He did that with Israel through the prophets, and we continue to hear his word today. Amos said, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Justice is not just punishing wicked behavior. It doesn't just have that side of it, punishment. It is summed up in Christ's command to love our neighbor. There's justice in love as well. We love our neighbor and are just by remembering the poor and sharing what God has given us with those in need. And we also love our neighbor and are just by setting fair prices for the goods and services we offer to others. We may not all be merchants and businessmen and women, but we do have things we sell, and we need to be fair about that. And by not taking advantage of those who we, with whom we work, and with whom we do business. We are not to turn away our heads from those who are mistreated. Jesus warns us not to neglect justice, which is part of love for God. God is a God who rewards justice and punishes injustice. And in the Psalms, we hear this promise, for the Lord will not forsake his people, for justice will return to the righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. This is God's will for us in Jesus Christ, and we say... Amen. Our next hymn is number 197, Comfort, Comfort, Ye My People. Comfort, comfort ye my people, speak ye peace, thus saith our God. Darkness, mourning neath their sorrows, Lord. Speak ye to Jerusalem of the peace that waits for them. Tell her that her sins I cover, and her war Teach card. crooked <coughs> this is plain let your hearts be Let us pray together for those in need. Almighty God, our merciful Savior, the scripture says, you have told us that you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, granting gifts to your people before we even ask. And when we do ask, you're quick to hear and care for us as our Heavenly Father. So many times we miss this because we already have it in our heads how you should care for us. But we thank you that you do not let that limit you, and you care for us according to your good purposes. We thank you most of all for the promise of the coming of our salvation, and we give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for all the times past when you have guarded us from evil, when you have comforted us in our suffering, and when you have given us what we needed, like the love and fellowship of your church. Hear us once again as we bring our petitions to you in gratitude for your loving kindness. We pray for the Holy Church of Jesus Christ, that it may be full of the knowledge of the Lord and his love, and be covered by the righteousness of Christ. And So we pray for the churches of the OPC, and today we particularly think of Bruce Buchanan, the former pastor of Cheno Lakes for Chena Lakes Church as well, and for Pilgrim OPC in Metamora, and the pastor they have called David Bonner. We pray for the people in Ukraine and Syria where violence rages and many are being killed, including Christians, your, your church, in those places. And we pray for our own cities where people shoot co-workers and violently assault each other. We pray you would stop the evil powers from killing and that you would protect your church in those places. And may all of your people work for respect for human life. We also pray for the church in the nations of Europe where society has become so secular. And while Christians are not being violently assaulted for the most part, there still is a strong rejection of Christianity and Christians are often um, mocked and, and ridiculed. O oh Lord, make your people resolute in righteousness and in their witness to Jesus Christ to not be deterred by these, uh, this opposition that we face in this world. We look forward to the day when there will be no more violence and war, and the whole earth will be filled with your justice and righteousness. Here are our prayers for the church and the, many, and the nations in this world. We pray for the leaders in every church, for the ministers, elders, and deacons, including here at Providence. Here are our prayers for them. For those who do not believe among our friends, acquaintances, neighbors, those who've turned away from the faith, we pray that their eyes would be opened to the light of Christ our Savior, and may we, by your grace, proclaim to them the gospel. Convert the sinful, O Lord, and free them from their bondage. Here are prayers for those who've turned away from the faith or are not believers who come to mind. For the leaders of this nation and those in positions of public trust, we pray that they may serve the common good with honesty and justice, and we pray that those who destroy what is good in society would be removed. We also pray for the inmates in jail and in their, with their families, particularly this week we think of Troy and Merrick, an angel, and pray that you would give them uh, fair trials and that they would hear the gospel and want to follow Christ. Hear our prayers for those who lead us and for those in jail. And we do pray for this congregation. We pray for wisdom and unity. We also call out to you for those who are struggling with pain and fatigue, sickness, hurt, depression, grief. We pray for Frida and Eduardo, for Leah, for Bob and Fawn, for Jeff and Linda, for our friends Becky and Karen and Mrs. Mesner and Bob and Phil, Tom, Angie, Dominique, Linda's friend Judy, and others we name to you in silence. Grant them your healing power and deliver them from their trouble. Give them faith in Christ. And we pray for those who are unemployed or having trouble paying their bills or need to find a place to live. Here are our prayers for them. As you are the giver of life and health, comfort and relieve those we lift up to you. Strengthen them with your grace, and may they have confident trust in Christ, who is our Savior. Rejoicing in the fellowship of the saints, we entrust ourselves and one another and all of life to you, our Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.
1: Be seated. And we join now in praying for the Spirit's illumination on us as we enter the Word. Oh God, we we come to you in our ignorance this morning. We come to know you, admitting that we cannot figure you out on our own. That on our own, we can never deduce uh, anything about you that would be useful, and we join with pre- Peter in admitting to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and so now we open your word, uh, reading what you have uh, given us this great gift of your word, and we ask that by your spirit, you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears uh, to hear what you have to say, to understand it and to hold it in our hearts and be edified by it, not just this morning, but for the days and weeks to come. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Our Old Testament reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor Who shall stand as a signal for the peoples? Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Our Psalter response comes from Psalm 72. <clears throat> Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people, and the hills in righteousness. May they cause of the,
2: poor of the, people, the to the children of the need, and to crush the oppressor.
1: May they fear you while the sun endures, and as long as the moon, throughout all generations. May he In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May all kings foul, fall down before him. All nations serve him. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy.
2: From
1: Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May there be abundance of grain in the land, on the tops of the mountains may it wave.
2: May his fruit be like Lebanon. may people bless him in the cities like the grass of the field.
1: May his name endure forever, his fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him, all nations are not blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Our epistle reading this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 15, verses 4 through 13. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you, for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, to show God's truthfulness, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Finally, our Gospel reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The word of the Lord.
0: Behind much of our social debates and disturbances today in our nation is the question, what makes for a good society? Justice is considered one of those goods, and it always has been, at least as far as I know in the West, and I think it's true also in the eastern part of the world, Asia. Justice has been considered one of those goods for society. The word justice is invoked in our society over and over again. We believe justice is a social good as opposed to a social ill. There are some things that are bad for society, there are some things that are destructive for society, and there are things that are good for society. A social ill is like intolerance, at least our society would call it intolerance, racial inequality, and tyranny. Justice is even in the last line of our Pledge of Allegiance for our nation with justice and liberty for all. We talk about justice as a right When some in our society do not believe they have been treated justly, then they demand it. Native American tribes have claimed that there has been no justice for them ever since they were forced to live on restricted reservations. And the assumption in this is that justice is a social good and that it ought to include them. We may not agree with all the way that some of these issues get worked out, but you can see the basic point that there's a demand and a claim for justice. The Black Lives Matter organization wishes to redress injustices against black people in our society, and this, the assumption is that justice is a good for society and should be for all races, not just those that are in, in the majority. Pro-life groups protest in front of abortion clinics and cry out for justice for the unborn. And the assumption is that justice ought to be for the unborn as well as for older members of society. And the LGBTQ alliance while it actually has very little in common, does stand together to say that their lifestyles ought to be protected in society. And the assumption is that a just society does not discriminate against their sexual practices. And again, I'm not trying to to push aside on this. I'm just wanting you to think about our society and how there are so many different groups that are talking about justice and wanting justice. And these are just some of the big uh, organizations and movements going on. There are countless Individual voices also talking about justice today. Justice is in high demand in our society. Well, Psalm 72 is a prayer for the good of society. And it refers to certain social goods, the things that make a society healthy and good. Verses 1 and 2 speak of justice and righteousness. Verse 4 speaks of security for the helpless. Verse 7 speaks of human flourishing and well-being that is long-lasting And verses 8 through 11 speak of dominion over enemies. These are the goods of society that come up in the psalm. Even though it refers to these social goods, the psalm is not just a list that rattles them off. And we shouldn't hear it that way. The first two that are mentioned, justice and righteousness, are the foundation for the others. Verse 1 is actually put in a different form than the other verses. And you can see this. It's an imperative. It's an imperative. Give the king your justice, O Lord, and your righteousness to the royal son. The other goods are put in the form of wishes. May the king judge your people with righteousness. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people and deliverance to the children of the needy. May they fear you while the sun endures. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass like showers that water the earth. May he have dominion from sea to sea. So the first opening is an imperative, give justice and righteousness, and the rest are wishes. Okay. So there's a difference in the psalm and how it begins and... um, And it it keeps going, the psalm does, looking to God with hope. It's, It's these wishes expressed to God with hope. The way the psalm is arranged, justice and righteousness are the foundation for the other social goods. And this is exactly what the Old Testament prophets kept telling Israel. Like the prophet Isaiah, who brought the message of God's judgment to the people and said, justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. And he was basically saying you need to repent and bring justice and righteousness back for uh, the good of Israel. The prophet Amos said, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And he was saying that to Israel because it wasn't. The righteousness and the justice wasn't there. So calls for justice and righteousness are at the heart of the prophet's messages to Israel. And the other social goods, and the prophets do talk about other social goods, peace, well-being, all these things, but they rest on this justice and righteousness. So what is justice and righteousness? Well, there are many assumptions made about justice and righteousness today, and you'll hear people throw the word around. I'm not sure there's a lot of careful thinking about what is it other than I don't have it and I want it, but that really doesn't tell you anything. Many of these um, assumptions made about justice and righteousness are lopsided, and they're self or group centered. So you might be part of a group that's demanding justice, and you're thinking of it all in terms of your context and the things that that have uh, that are a problem for your group, but not necessarily thinking about it for all the other people. So it tends to it, it so often becomes lopsided in our society. And that's the nature of fighting for justice. Those who fight for it are focused on their cause. So it's very easy for justice and, uh, to, to become lopsided. In scripture, justice is basically three things. It's judgment that's fair to all. It holds everyone morally accountable. And it sets things right. That's the way justice is understood in scripture. Righteousness is faithfulness to God and his will. Now in this sermon I will focus on what Psalm 72 says about justice but what it says applies to all the goods of society but I'm going to focus on justice because I figure you, you want to get out of here by tomorrow. <clears throat> Today in America the common belief is that justice comes from society itself that's that's sort of the way our society thinks that justice comes from within society that's that's where it comes from. John Rawls is a philosopher who wrote a book called A the Theory of Justice. He wrote this, published it in the 1970s. His his philosophy of justice has turned out to be highly influential in how our society thinks about justice. Now, for Rawls, justice has to do with the distribution of rights and liberties to the greatest number of people in society. And whatever inequalities there are, and he recognized that there will be inequalities, the inequalities must be arranged by the society to the greatest benefit of the least advantaged. Now, I'm not up here to explain John Rawls. And I have to admit that I've only read summaries of his theory of justice. But he has been influential, and that's really my main point of bringing him up. I, I bring him up because his idea of justice has contributed to our society's belief that It, our society, determines what is just and what is not, and justice comes from our society. In our society today, by and large, justice is considered a social contract. This even goes way back to John Locke in the Enlightenment, but it's considered a social contract. It's a contract made in society with each other. We make justice what it is. And this means that as society changes, potentially justice can change with it. What was considered just 100 years ago may not be considered just today. And what was considered unjust 100 years ago may not be considered unjust today. For example, many states required people convicted of crimes and staying in prison to do forced labor for the state. Chain gangs. They were called. There was even a movie, uh, Cool Hand Luke, made about that. It was one way convicts were expected to pay their debt to society, and that was considered just 100 years ago, maybe even less. Today, many states have had proposals to stop forced labor of prisoners. There's a growing opinion in our society that it's unjust, and five states had proposals to end forced labor of prisoners on their ballots last month for the election. On the other hand, 50 years ago, marriage between two people of the same gender was considered harmful to society and unjust, and there were laws prohibiting it. Today, those laws are being overturned, and marriage is being lawfully granted to those who are the same gender, and that's considered just. Now, Rawls' theory of justice has not been without its critics. Rawls' theory of justice has been criticized for not having higher aspirations for what justice is. If society is what determines justice, then there's nothing higher to appeal to. There's no way to reach up to a higher justice, one that is greater than than a society has. And if justice is locked within society and is just left to whatever the society determines it is, then it's easy for special interest groups to fight for control of what is fair and what is right. Right? What often happens in this situation is justice is shifted around, but it's not universal. A good example of this is how justice plays out for those who commit crimes and the victim of the crimes. Society might decide that it has been unjust in how it has treated criminals, and so it changes the law for criminal justice. Sometimes the accused are released and are not held accountable for what they did, and they may even come back to terrorize the victims of their crime. And this may result in victims not receiving justice. So it's hardly setting things right. It may be improving justice for criminals on one side, but sometimes it becomes less just for the victims. And so society shifts justice around, and while it's shifting justice around, injustice gets shifted around. Psalm 72 tells us something about justice that we need to hear. Psalm 72 tells us that justice comes from God. Verse 1 says, Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. In the ancient world, there was the God of the people, there was the king, and there were the people. There was the people. Justice was something the deity gave to the king for the people. This is how they saw it. The deity of the people, they were all very religious uh there's nothing secular about life back then <clears throat> at least not the way we think about it so each group of people each nation had their god and then that god was understood as giving things to the king for the people the rulers were the medium or the administrators through whom the gods dealt with the people. And this is how the ancient people saw it, pretty much across the board. They saw it that way. Psalm 72 uses that ancient view. That's no surprise because it was written back in that time. Except the psalm converts it to the God of Israel, the creator of heaven and earth. So the psalm begins by petitioning Yahweh to give the king your justice. It speaks of justice beginning with the God of Israel. And justice begins with God, and this is how it was understood in in, uh, Israel. This is how God had revealed himself. But justice begins with God because he is just. It is who he is. Justice and righteousness are inherent in God's character. In other words, God is just and righteous. And scripture testifies to this. Isaiah the prophet says... But the Lord of hosts is exalted in justice, and the holy God shows himself holy in righteousness. The Apostle Paul, remember this? In chapter 2 of Romans, says after explaining how no one is, uh, has kept the law, whether it's, it's the law that's, that's uh, uh, presented to them through their conscience or the law that comes through the Torah, but all of it shows this moral demand upon everyone. And what does Paul say in the midst of all that? God shows no partiality. His fairness is universal. And that's what justice is. God does not favor some over others. And in Isaiah, the Lord says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall be remembered, uh, shall not be remembered or come to mind. God is the restorer of his creation. He restores all things in goodness and right. And I bring up those passages because they bring out the different aspects of justice. That's what justice is. It's those things. And God's character has that justice. It is, it is impartial, it is fair, um, it is uh, always holding people morally accountable, and it resets things right, it restores his creation. So, the vocation of the king was to administer justice in the other goods of society. This meant that God had to give justice, prosperity, long life, dominion over enemies, well being, had to give them to the king so that the king could administer them to the people. The king didn't just naturally have them. The power for justice flowed from God to the king for the people. The possibility of a just society depended on God's justice being mediated through the ruler to the people. Now, generally speaking, this is not what our society thinks is the source of justice today, as I tried to show you earlier. Our society has given up on the belief that justice comes from God through a ruler. History is a long story of insufficient rulers, corrupt rulers, and incomplete justice. And it isn't just now. It goes way back, all the way back in time. Israel's kings were good and bad. Read through first. Kings, Second Kings, Chronicles, and there's always that sort of epitaph at the end of each king's life that he, he, he was good, he seeked to follow the Lord, or he was a wicked king, an evil king. The good ones administered justice in varying degrees, but even the justice of the good kings in Israel came up short. King David is considered the model king. Everyone was being compared back to David. He established courts in Israel to administer justice. However, his justice was not for everyone. Was he just to Uriah, Bathsheba's husband? No. He had him killed. Abraham Lincoln is ranked among our greatest presidents, but did he give full justice to the slaves? He emancipated them, but they still suffered great injustices in our society. President Ronald Reagan established the President's Task Force for Victims of Crime, and in 1982, the state of California passed Proposition 8 that enumerated rights for surviving families and victims of crime. However, today, there is still injustice for victims of crime. In our society, the rulers give us imperfect justice at best, and that may be all that people hope for today, as long as their special interest is met. All that they seem to think is that we'll just have an imperfect, incomplete justice. So it raises the question, do the rulers of the nations have the capacity for full and complete justice? Do they have the capacity for it? Psalm 72 expresses the wish for justice to flow from God through the king to the people. And it holds to this wish in spite of the incomplete justice and failure of the kings of Israel. The psalm was never deleted from the Psalter. Could have been. I mean, there are other psalms. You know, there's a Psalm 151. There are lots of other psalms that were not included. This one could have been deleted after so many years when people just said, it's, it's pointless. These kings keep coming in. These rulers keep coming in. These governments keep being established. And all we see, we see maybe some injustice, but then we see some injustice. And so let's pull Psalm 72 out of the Bible. But Psalm 72 holds to this wish in spite of the incomplete justice and failure of the kings of Israel. The psalm was never deleted from the Psalter. Give the king your justice, O God, it prays, and it does not stop praying. We just prayed it this morning. It doesn't stop praying. It firmly believes that justice can come from God through the king to the people. But it will take a king who has the capacity for justice, who is fair to all, and can set everything right. And there is one king who has the capacity for full justice for this entire world. One king. And he's the one of whom our Old Testament lesson speaks. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. He shall judge, that's a justice word, he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity, another justice word, decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he's also the one whom John the Baptist heralds in our gospel lesson. He who is coming after me is mightier than I. His winnowing fork is in his hand. That winnowing fork is a symbol of judgment. And he's the one whom our lesson from Romans says arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. The one who has the capacity for full and complete justice is Jesus Christ. He's the son of God who became man. And because he's God... He's just. It's his character. It's it's who he is. Justice is, is his character. And we hear this in the Song of the Lamb in Revelation 15. It says, Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. It's the song to Jesus, the Lamb of God. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Jesus Christ is the only reason the church continues to pray Psalm 72 for justice in this world. I mean, we might continue to read it and use it and not even think about it, but if we think about it and what it's saying, the only reason we would continue to pray that psalm in the church for justice in this world is because of Jesus Christ. It's not an idealistic prayer. We've got to be able to spot idealism when we see it in ourselves and in, in our society. Idealism is about an idea, an idea of justice that we long for. We're not longing for an idea of justice. It's actual, it's complete justice that, that we wish for because Jesus is the real Son of God who came to us and will come again. And it's because he is the anointed king through whom God pours out his justice that human society has any hope of being completely and fully just. Now, this should not turn us into cynics about our society. Let us not say society is worthless when it comes to justice or society is incapable of providing any justice. That just is not even true on the face of it. There are thousands of court decisions every day that belie that kind of cynicism. And people who say that are the ones who've never actually probably had to deal with a situation where they've had to go to court and maybe they've been burned but maybe they've also had some some fair, just decisions made for them. So if you're someone who has had the benefit of a court hearing your case and rendering a just decision, then you know there is some justice in our society to some level. And we know society can give justice up to a point When we hear that, uh, and there is this report that came out a couple years ago of an El Salvadorian army colonel who was convicted in Madrid after 30 years, he was convicted of crime, we're glad when we hear that, because this colonel was one of those who ordered the murder of five Spanish Catholic priests, and he's been held accountable for what he did 30 years later, but he was held accountable. There's justice for those priests and the church, but it's incomplete justice because there were others who were involved in the killings, and they have not been brought to justice. In addition, the colonel's conviction does not totally set things right for the priests. How could it? They're dead. Society does not have the capacity for the full justice of God that makes judgments that are right and true, and that holds everyone morally accountable for their behavior, and that is equal for all. It doesn't have the capacity for that. So while we give thanks for the justice we do have in society, our hope is in Jesus Christ for full and complete justice. Now, Advent is a time of hope and repentance. Our epistle lesson is an an Advent text. All, All these texts are the texts for this cycle of readings for Advent this year. For the second Sunday of Advent, and our epistle lesson from Romans ends this way May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. For us Christians, our hope for justice abounds because Jesus Christ has the capacity for the justice of God for this whole world, and He comes to rule over us. Christian hope is not limited to us as individuals. We're not just hoping for myself, for me, myself, and I. Hope in Christ is for human society, that there will be justice that judges rightly and truly, that, every, that holds everyone morally accountable, and that will set all things right. Advent's also a time for repentance. Repentance because there is a great lack of justice in our society. I imagine every one of us has had some injustice committed against us. And one example for me happened about 20-some years ago. My car was parked in front of my parents' house in Longmont, Colorado. Someone broke into it during the night and stole our belongings. A police report was filed, but no one has ever been arrested or brought to justice. But it's not just the lack of justice in our society. There's also a lack of justice in the church. We Christians have also been unjust. An historical distance can help us see this, for example, in Presbyterian churches. Two of the great 19th century southern Presbyterian theologians and teachers in the seminaries, one of them taught in the seminary I attended, Robert Louis Dabney and James Thornwell, both supported the injustice of slavery. Today, other Christians are also caught up in various kinds of injustice. The Russian Orthodox Church supports Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Protestant churches in this country have ignored cases of abuse that have happened in the church. Many Christians support the injustice of abortion. Christians have been hateful to immigrants and other races. Now, we might not see that very clearly because we sit in the middle of it, but give it some time and some distance and maybe some other, you know, another point of view – and then it begins to be clear that there is injustice that is among us as well not only must we repent of coming up short with justice we must also repent of presuming that we are just psalm 72 sounds out of place to us modern people because it talks about this king god's power comes to the people through the king and we don't have kings in our society we got rid of all, we never even we, we started without a king Psalm 72 does tell us something very important, that whether we have a government with a king or not, justice comes from God. It doesn't begin with us. It's easy for us Christians to presume that we possess justice. After all, we believe in God. We follow Christ. We've been justified. We've been made right with God. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us, and we know God's moral will. But justice is always something that must come to us from God. And therefore, we must confess our lack of justice. We must confess that we do not have it in and of ourselves. And we must pray and ask God to give us justice for the church and for the world. Justice is not something we possess. It's a gift from God. God gives us full and complete justice through Jesus Christ, who is the king of heaven and earth, who judges in truth and righteousness, who holds all people morally accountable and sets all things right. This Advent, may we repent of presuming justice and pray that God will give us justice in the church and in society. Let us pray. merciful God who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please stand and let us confess our faith. who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead. whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, the, Lord, the, Father, the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic Church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our hymn as we come to the Lord's table is number 193, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence. of the Apostle, if then you've been raised with Christ, and you have, that's the implication of that if that's used there, in the Greek grammar would be, if you've been raised with Christ, and you have, seek the things that are above, but Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And the Apostle reminds the church, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a communion in the blood of Christ, the bread which we break, is it not a communion in the body of Christ? We come to this table sinners who are forgiven in Christ. We don't come to this table pretending we don't have sin we hide from it or it's irrelevant. So as we come to the Lord's table, let us know that we come by the Lord's invitation, that through faith in Him we are cleansed and He feeds us and strengthens us. He heals us of our sin. You're not going to get that anywhere else. It's the Lord's table. He invites us to feast with Him. Those who come to this meal promise to trust, love, and obey Him as the Lord of every realm of life and to live in love and concern for each other. It is my privilege as Christ's minister to invite all who have been baptized, who have publicly professed their faith in Jesus Christ, and our communicant members of a Christian church to come to this, the Lord's table. And as you come, remember the promise that is set before you and that you are made righteous in Christ because of Christ, not because of your own works. Join with me now in giving thanks to God for our salvation and life in Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is, right to give him thanks and praise. it is our delightful duty to give thanks to you, O God, through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, who in the last times you did send to us to be a Savior and Redeemer, who is your Word inseparable from you, through whom you made all things and in whom you were well pleased, whom you did send from heaven into the virgin's womb and who was conceived within her and made flesh and demonstrated to be your son by being born of the Holy Spirit and a virgin, who fulfilled your will and prepared for you a holy people who stretched forth his hands for suffering that he might release from suffering those who believe and trust in him. He was betrayed to voluntary suffering, that he might abolish death and rend the bonds of the devil and tread down hell and enlighten the righteous and demonstrate the resurrection. And so we in all of heaven forever are praising you, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Glory be to you, O Lord Most High. Now, remembering and participating in his death and resurrection, we receive the cup and the bread giving thanks to you because you have made us worthy to stand before you through Christ. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit, our eating of this bread and drinking of this cup in faith may be for us a communion in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And grant to all your people who partake to be united with each other in the confirmation of their faith in truth, that we may praise and glorify you through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, who with you, O Father, and the Holy Spirit, be glory and honor now and forever. And together we raise our thanksgiving to you and say, Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ took the bread and after giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he also took the cup, saying, this cup is the cup of the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Take and eat this bread, and drink this cup, and remember Christ's body and blood given for you. Receive it with faith and thanksgiving. Take and eat and drink. Let us pray. who sent your Son to redeem the world, and will send him again to be our judge. Give us grace so to imitate him in the humility and purity of his first coming, that when he comes again, we may be ready to greet him with joyful love and a firm faith. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our final hymn is the insert and bulletin, bulletin Savior of the Nation's and blameless for the day of Christ and the blessing of God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you all now and forever. Amen.
3: December. Um, a few announcements um, for uh, this morning. Um, just keep in mind the service of lessons and carols will be on Christmas Eve here at the church at 6 p.m. And I know Pastor Wilson will be looking for volunteers to uh, do the reading. So uh, get with uh, Pastor Wilson after uh, sometime today, after services, sometime today or in the near near term. Uh, if you're interested uh, today uh, is our fellowship meal and it's always a special one because it is uh, a little bit more festive a little bit more um, uh, you know, focused on really good holiday food and things like that so uh, we would encourage you to please stay uh, before we get to our fellowship meal we will have a brief discussion um leading to um, some of the thinking that the session has had regarding uh, directions for providence, uh, that will become clear. Uh, we'd ask that you would stay for that as well. Uh,
0: I don't have anything else. So I mentioned um, in the prayer, the, the jail ministry resumed last Friday. Um, we actually, they didn't really ask us about this, they just gave us, but we have more uh time there now than we had before. So we're we're scheduled to go the first, third, and fifth, if there's a fifth Friday of the month, up to the Oakland County Jail. So Terry Benjamin and I went up Friday and um it's it's still sort of you know fumbling along um in terms of the chaplain's office up there. But we uh were in a new area. We haven't been in this section before and we had a number of guys, I mentioned them by name in the prayer, who came Um, to talk with us, and and we have a regular evangelistic kind of worship service when we do it. Um, So please keep that in your prayers, and we are going to need more volunteers. If there's somebody here, um, probably male, uh, at least given for this current uh, work, sometimes they have options opening up for the women's side of the jail. Um, then please talk to me if you're interested in volunteering. They haven't announced when they're going to start taking new volunteers. They've been working with the old group. but um, And then Terry's at Oakland Hills now, and so he's going to try to recruit there, and we're going to see if we can pull enough people together to keep this running for, you know, to keep our schedule. So please be in prayer for that. Okay. Julie Collins. So did I understand you to say... Uh, That will we can go in there three weeks a
2: month. Yeah, Fridays. Three Fridays
0: a month. Yeah, it's three Fridays a month: first, third, and fifth. So I mean,
3: not every month has five, but so. Anything else? Give us just uh, a little bit of time to set things up here, and then we'll let you know when we're ready to have that uh, conversation. So.